Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It is Friday, July 14th. Happy Friday to you. Uh, I'm Al Melchior. I'm here with Eno Saris. Welcome to our weekly weekend preview show. Uh, DVR is not here. He's still away. Uh, I've got a couple more episodes to go before uh, we get the dulcet tones of Derek Van Riper back in uh, the athletic studios here. So, uh, but, uh, you know, lots to uh, get to on this show. Uh, it, that's really DVR's uh, doing, calling it the weekend preview. I like uh, like the framing, uh, but, you know, also just a return from, from the all-star break. Uh, so we've got some call-ups as we do pretty much every week, if not every episode of Rates and Barrels, uh, every week on this Friday show. Uh, we've got, of course, pitchers and hitters to, uh, to target in your fab this weekend. And, and just some interesting general trends. We'll talk a little bit about your recent piece on one-year park factors that you alluded to a little bit on the Wednesday show. But uh, let's uh, get into all this and start with the uh, the call-ups. Uh, in fact, the A's, they they went double on the call-ups, uh, calling up a couple of their uh, their top prospects, really two of the, the top three, Tyler Soderstrom and Zach Geloff. Um so, you know, what's your thinking here in terms of uh, redraft leagues, how people should be approaching these two prospects uh, in FAB this weekend? Very carefully. I think uh, maybe even single-digit vids. Like, maybe even don't do it, you know? I mean, don't. I, mean, I, I don't want to go that far because there's always a league in which it makes sense. Um uh, like I said, though we 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 looked at the listener leagues and and you know some of y'all trend towards the the more shallower leagues. In those leagues, I feel pretty comfortable saying I don't necessarily want either of these guys. And my reasoning is such: uh, the easiest way to put it is they strike out a ton, and they're projected to strike out a ton. There's no reason that they wouldn't strike out a ton. They don't have a history of not striking out in their past. They strike out a ton. Another more complicated way of saying it is, well, Tyler Soderstrom looks really good with a 254-303-536 line in AAA. That's an 85 WRC plus because yeah. you have to think about that's Vegas. That's a league that uh, is, uh, you know, you can you can dominate um, uh, offensively and not actually be that good. Now, Geloff, uh, you know, is 22% better than league average. He's 23. So that's, that's a slightly better line, but he also, uh, is striking out 28% of the time. He's going to strike out a lot. Maybe he comes with more walks than Soderstrom, more steals. Maybe if you need steals and can handle a bad batting average, that's where I start to put the qualifiers on. So the deeper your league is, the more you can handle a bad batting average, the more you just need power or just need stolen bases, um, then these two players can become more meaningful. Uh, in terms of playing time, I, I don't think they'd call them up not to play them. Um, and so I would expect that Geloff is basically the starting second baseman. Uh, for them and Soderstrom is uh, near starter between catcher and DH. Uh, that's that's what I would expect at least. And uh, so the losers here, maybe a little bit of Langoliers, a uh, little bit of uh, I don't know. I mean, with Ruiz hurt, I think Blade is fine, but maybe when Ruiz comes back, Blade is in more trouble. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, because. Uh... Well, yeah. So, oh, maybe because Seth the Soderstrom trouble, you know, like some of these fringier yeah. bats are maybe in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, Noda. Do you think he loses uh, some? I don't know. He's playing he's so playing well, time. and he's being talked up around the team as you know one of their real finds this year. He's thirty-one percent better in league average right now with the bat, projected to be you know seven to eight percent better in league average with the bat. I think uh, Noda's probably safe, but. Uh, you know, once and then maybe when Loriano's healthy, he's just shipped out of town. You know, because why keep him around? So you could probably still have a Blade, Rooker, Ruiz, Brown, Soderstrom mix for all outfield positions and DH. Okay. All right. Well, let's go to the other call-up news from uh, the last day or so. Uh, Philly's calling up Johan Rojas. And this one looks pretty straightforward, uh, Eno, because they need a replacement for Christian Pache. And uh, Rojas just... What was the uh, injury on Pache? 
Uh, you know, you have caught me uh, <laughs> off guard with well, that because I do not been injured a lot. remember. Yeah, right uh, elbow can... irritation. Oh, okay, that's that's bizarre. Yeah, it's sore, and elbow. I don't know what the this is with timetable so well. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, is there anything there with Rojas? Because sort of like with Geloff, there there is uh, some stolen base appeal, but in Rojas's case, probably coming in a much smaller playing time package. So I don't know if you see anything there, 15 team deeper, perhaps. It had to be a daily league, I think, because as yeah. a righty, I'm not sure he's going to play enough to play in weekly leagues. Um, so I would say he's like an NL only play and um, daily 20 teamers. Okay, so pretty pretty limited appeal. Uh, this is a, a very anticlimactic uh, call-up <laughs> segment, right? Because he's just like, oh, empty the bank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not Palooza week, I don't think. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, but, uh, you know, Rojas, like the ace prospects, you know, one of their top prospects, uh, one of the Phillies, I'd say, you know, top five or so I prospects. Might, I might and, throw you know. some, like, uh, if you're talking 15 teams uh, and I need stolen bases, I might, I'm going to throw some... Um, small sort of keep them honest bids on Geloff. So, you know, depending, I mean, there's, you know, I'd like to see how much he plays this week, but I'm assuming he's just like basically the starting second baseman. Um, and if I, if he positionally lines up with something I need, I could see throwing 20, 30 bucks at him tops. I just, that batting average in the, the strikeout rate makes me think you definitely don't want to go in harder than that. Yeah. This no, is I mean, out of a thousand it's... too. So, Right, of course, obviously. If it were out of 100, then yeah, there'd be a mismatch between your level of enthusiasm yeah. and, the, uh, and the bid recommendation. So, yeah, a 3% bid. Uh, yeah, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, all right, well, we've got a few other news items to get to. Oh, it's yeah, not been the, the biggest uh, so bad. couple of news days. Jordan so, uh, Alvarez, come back to yeah, us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of soft pedaling. Oh, not a big news day, but that is a big deal. Yeah. It's definitely a big deal for some of my teams. Uh, also, Jose Urquidy, along with Jordan Alvarez, starting rehab assignments on Friday with AAA Sugarland. Uh, so, I, you know, there's, there's even with, like a little those... uh, positive news note on Altuve that he's healing uh, quicker than they thought. He won't be available coming out of the break. Uh, that would be too fast, but Altuve might not yeah. be too far away. Okay. Uh, and, you know, with all these players, it's the question of um, who loses playing time in Otube's case. Uh, I think it's very clearly Mauricio Dubon. But I think with Alvarez, it's it's a little murkier. Uh, the most obvious player I would think would be Yaner Diaz, who's been a, a nice find. And, and so is Corey Jolks. And it, this is really the sole reason, you know, why I didn't write up uh, Corey Jolks in the waiver column the last couple of weeks, because I figured it was is potentially limited shelf life for him. Is that is that being too pessimistic? Do the Astros find room for Jolks in a, uh, no, a post-Alvarez world? I wonder if he's playing his way into it. I, you know, he's got some value across the board in terms of right now, at least uh, with this BABIP, he's getting on base. Uh, he's running well while he's on base. He's got a little bit of pop. Um, you know, he seems like an above-average player. Um, and I think that defensive component is interesting because it's not a plus right now, but, you know, if you kind of stack them up against them, you know, if I if I just watched Corey Jokes and Jordan Alvarez run around a little bit, I would assume that Corey Jokes is a better defender <laughs> uh, in, in left field. So that, to me, makes me think that Jokes is going to stick around. But I think Yanir Diaz has actually been uh, more exciting as a hitter than Corey Jokes. I mean, I'm seeing a really nice strikeout rate paired with a really nice barrel rate. And, you know, he does chase and he's, you know, uh, he needs to calm down a little bit on that. I mean, 50% chase rate is just astronomical. But, you know, there's so like there's something nice about having a guy in your lineup that is a little different than the rest of your guys. Like, they have such professional polished hitters, you know, and then they have Yanir Diaz who's just like, I want to hit the ball hard. 
<laughs> and he does. And he does. And they got Mauricio Debon who's like, I just want to spray singles. So I think, you know, I think the ideal team has Dubon, Diaz, and Jokes still on it. Can we can we build that team? I think we can build the team. Can we build the lineup right. of all those guys? I, I'm not sure I see that. So what's and, yeah, for the Astros purposes, that's fine. But for yeah, what's the deal? You have 13 hitters, right? And you need to have you need to have uh, so Diaz is going to stay on the team because the worst case scenario is a backup catcher. That's what you're. Right. That's no, your point. he's definitely. I definitely. And Dubon's going to be on the team because, and I think the same is actually true of Jokes. I think Jokes is going to stay on the team. You're right. When we're starting to build a lineup, you've got Jokes as a righty, uh, McCormick, uh, Chaz McCormick as a righty, uh, Jake Myers as a righty, um, and uh, so. You know, you can't build a platoon necessarily there um, with each other. Uh, you can't just be like, oh, Jokes will platoon with Myers in center or Chaz in center. They're all righties. Um, but what you can do is um, sit Alvarez against lefty sometimes. No, you'd never do that. Um, so you're, you're, you're going to always have Alvarez in the lineup. You're always going to have Tucker in the lineup. You're always going to have Pena in the lineup. Uh, you know, Dubon is, you can fly fine and at second until Altuve gets back, but you're always going to have Altuve in the lineup and you're always going to have Bregman in the lineup. So it's like, where, where are you sneaking in these jokes at bats once Alvarez comes back? And I think he's going to hurt. He's going to be hurt by it. Yeah. No, that, that's been my assumption too. So again, if people have been looking for him in the waiver column, that is why I have not How about included this? him. Has a, yeah. Jokes, Chaz, Tucker, Alvarez at DH. Okay, and then so no Diaz in the lineup. So no Diaz in the lineup. Unless he takes time away from Martin Maldonado. I know Maldonado, yeah. Which is what us fantasy. Core jokes is fascinating. I think I I I think uh you know somebody who's got this set of skills and is also showing an inflated Babip right now. He could be just an average type guy that they and they have options on him. They could just send him down. So I don't know. Yeah. There's there's such a range of of things there. The good news is you probably didn't spend too much on Jokes. You're not too invested in him. If the playing time starts drying up, you know what to do. And we're we're not even factoring in what might happen before the trade deadline. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll leave that for a later right. show. I think we've got time to time to do that. A uh, few other uh, updates. Uh, Scott services that Bryce Miller will return to the Mariners rotation uh, next week. So that would line him up for the, the back end of the rotation, meaning he probably starts uh, Monday or Tuesday, which would line Miller up for starts against both the twins and both Blue at, Jays home. at home. I'd activate him right yeah, away. Yeah. Not- yeah, not much. I mean, the, the Toronto uh, matchup I, gives me a little bit of pause, but I, I do it's like Mariners Seattle. pitchers at home, generally. It's in Seattle. Yeah. So, good news there for those of you who have Bryce Miller. Uh, Jose Quintana, I have not uh, you know, been able to find an update here on Friday on Quintana. So, if you have any news, uh, insight, <laughs> uh, I welcome it. But uh, Quintana was scheduled to throw a simulated game on Thursday. Uh, I've not seen anything about that. But assuming all went well, he could return to the Mets rotation sometime next week. So uh, it's definitely a story to, to watch over the weekend. He has surprisingly good projections um, the, for three out of four. I mean, Steamer, uh, Fangraphs, and ATC all have him for around a 3-9. ERA with a with a high whip, and then there's the bat, which is four point eight five ERA and a one point four whip. I think I would be super careful with Quintana and pitch him only at home and maybe only at home against weaker offenses. And if you have the ability to leave him on your IL as long as possible, to even he's pitching in the major leagues, so you can get some more information about how he looks what the stuff plus looks like, what the velo looks like, you know, anything, leave him on your IL as long as possible. All right. And um, if he does come back this week, uh, the Mets uh, start at home this week. Again, we're not including the the weekend series at home against the Dodgers, but going into next week, they'll, they'll start with the White Sox and then go on the road to uh, Fenway Park. So uh, at least that White Sox series, that could be a, a soft landing. But I, I do agree, you know, if you can, 
afford to not use Quintana for that start, assuming he even makes it. Uh, that's probably probably a good idea. Uh, and just one other note here, and it sort of piggybacks on a discussion that we had on the Wednesday show about the Dodgers outfield. Uh, they've signed Jake Marisnik to a major league deal. So uh, another short side platoon option that they have, uh, you know, just about everybody on the Dodgers, they, they platoon. I mean, it's an exaggeration, but <laughs> just uh, expanding that uh, even more. But we talked a little bit about Johnny DeLuca. So I would see a similar role there for Marisnik. Maybe he even takes yeah, it seems DeLuca's like Johnny spot. DeLuca's day in the sun was even shorter than we thought. Perhaps, perhaps it's, it does look that way. So, <laughs> Uh, but I don't think there's much else there. So, uh, you know, since DVR is away, I've just decided to get you know a little silly. He, you know, I think he's the one who coined the last segment, the closer corner. So I'm getting alliterative with some of these, <laughs> uh, with some of these show segments. So we'll go to the, the hitter hangout, some uh, hitters uh, just with uh, maybe some interesting trends or hitters even to target. Uh, I know, you know, you wanted to talk about uh, Ellie De La Cruz and you brought up something that I pointed out on Twitter a week, week and a half ago, I think that he's hitting a lot of grounders, which I found very surprising. And in the early going, he also wasn't hitting the flies and liners that he was hitting very hard. That started to change. You certainly cannot argue with the results that De La Cruz has had. So uh, I, I don't. I want to be clear about that. But is there anything here to be concerned about, to even take note of with that launch angle? I mean, I think it's important. Uh, it's an interesting thing. You know, the the reason I uh, it came to me is that, you know, there's a, an account on Twitter called Swing Graphs. And um, the person who runs that is DK Willard. And he has a, a book that I've read called uh, On Quantitative Hitting. Quantitative? It's on quantitative hitting, yeah. Um, and so he's a big proponent of ver- vertical bat angle and, uh, he loves Joey Votto and as we all do, and, uh, thinks that one of the reasons Joey Votto is so great is he maintains a, a positive vertical bat angle or like a, a good vertical bat angle, even on high pitches, like he manages. And in fact, if you watch Joey Votto step to the plate, um, he, his practice motion is practice swing. I swear to God, he's trying to maintain uh, like a, a like a lower like a steeper bat angle on a high pitch. So the next time you watch Joey Votto step to the plate, he does this weird practice swing, and it, I swear to God, it's like if you look at where his bat is, he's trying to have a bat like this on a high pitch, you know. Um, and so, um, you know, I I. Like I have a new toy and stuff. Plus, you've heard me maybe you know overemphasize it or overutilize it, and there's been some pushback uh, even from our listeners. And I I understand that. I when you have a new toy that has been validated and has some some merit um, in the space, you kind of you know, you kind of start to see the world through that. And so I I think to some degree uh, this account sees the world through that. And so he said, oh you know. Elder Cruz is, is good, but he could be so much better if uh, if only he could uh, improve his attack angle. And well, you know, I just wrote this whole piece about attack angle being a spatiotemporal thing. So, like, you know, the attack angle is higher on pitches out in front of the zone. And so, you know, are you asking a guy who strikes out 29% of the time and does not have, you know, natural patience, you know, are you asking this guy to get out in front of the plate more? And 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 get and catch the ball out in front more to improve his attack angle because if you're asking him to do that, he may strike out 35 percent of the time. And so you know what I would say is like there's a whole complicated set of of metrics and approaches for hitters, and it's rarely that simple to just be like, and and I'm guilty of this. Like I, you probably have heard me say, why doesn't he just throw his high stuff plus stuff more often? You know, or throw. You know, why does he throw this pitch more often? Or throw this pitch less, or whatever it is. You know, um, you know, with Grayson Rodriguez, I was like, why does he throw this crappy cutter so much? You know, it's because of he's trying to get lefties out. He's trying to figure stuff out. You know, there's there's coaches have good reasons. And so with Elliot Cruz, maybe letting the ball travel and not being super pull happy is is allowing him to not strike out. 35 percent of the time so you know maybe what you're asking him to do would increase his power but it would also increase his strikeout rate is what i'm saying so I, i'm saying i wouldn't let elliot cruz's 59 percent ground ball rate right now 
convince me that his ceiling is any lower. Because A, he didn't show those ground ball rates in the minors. B, he hits the ball so dang hard anyway. And C, he has you know so many other skills that are speaking well of him um, that I think the ceiling is still immense on him. He's shown the ability to take a walk. What if he adds that to his his current package? Then he could have a 350 OBP instead of the projected 310. Uh, if he just increases that launch angle to where it was in the minors, you know, from 59% ground ball rate to 44% ground ball rate, he's once again a 35 homer hitting guy. We've, he's shown the ability to steal, you know, 30 plus bases. I mean, he's got 16 stolen bases, 135 plate appearances, and he stole all of the bases, including home, in one inning. So I think the upside for him still is like 275, 350. 600, 550. So you're talking about a guy who would hit 35 homers and steal 45 bags, 50 bags. I mean, if there's anybody in baseball that has a Cunha like upside, it's Ellie De La Cruz. And I, so I don't yeah. think the 59%, maybe the 59% ground ball rate is a reason to consider him a sell high in this year. Well, it's it's not been that long, and like I said, initially he wasn't hitting uh, flies and liners very hard. That's come around, so who's to say that uh, that ground ball rate won't won't rise up uh, in the, in the second half? And the other thing too, you know, you mentioned his minor league profile. The thing that he's done consistently and it's carried over is he hits a lot of line drives, and that's probably related to that attack angle. Yeah. Um. So, it, like you said, it's keeping the strikeout rate down. It's probably also helping to keep the BABIP up. Yeah. So, and you've got a guy who... Yeah, what's his true talent, Babip? I mean, I would love to say 325 batting average, 440 Babip. That's Memorex. (laughs) But but he he ran some really high Babips because he's so fast, he hits the ball hard. So, you know, you see these projections, 350 might be his true talent, Babip. Yeah, which, you know, that's, that's something. I mean that's that's a big deal. So and would that change uh, if he he's... if he had a really high vertical bat angle? Like it literally, like he would literally be a different player if he had a forty five fifty percent fly ball hitter fly ball rate. And I don't think he'd be better. Probably not. And he doesn't need that in Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, so that's an interesting interesting breakdown uh, with him. And not yeah, not that anybody's worried about him, but. Does does give you some food for thought, and you, you mentioned Joey Votto. Uh, yeah, he's and Joey Votto's there. About. Yeah, and Joe Votto's the king of VBA, and and you know you don't think they like they're going to talk to each other at all. Right, right, exactly. They absolutely, I'm sure they are. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, I, I wrote about Vado in uh, the waiver column this week because I was a little surprised. He, his roster rate on CBS, and we we do here tend to rely on those CBS roster rates because on on Yahoo, ESPN rates tend to be you know pretty low for a, a lot of players. Uh, the um, the uh, or I should say, rather, they, they tend to be tend to be higher. Well, no, it, I, they're they're shower leaks, is what I'm trying yeah, to yeah. say. So uh, it's a better. There's a little bit more variance uh, with the CBS rates, and so I was a little surprised to see that Vado um, Vado's still at 53 percent on CBS, which means in is, those shallower league formats, it's it's probably much lower even. Yeah, his um, minor league numbers but, did not uh, look good. Yeah. I mean, he hit 173 in in the minors. It's kind of crazy, but. Uh, in terms of his barrel rate, you know, that seems to be there. His max EV is not all the way back. So he's not all the way back. He's striking out more. He's a slightly different player than he used to be. 
but I think he's just leaning into his old man energy, which is I'm going to have my awesome sense of the zone and I'm going to swing as hard as I can on every pitch that I think, you know, is drivable. Well, you talked about leaning hard into stuff. Plus I lean very hard into uh, average exit velocity on flies and liners. How's he doing that? And Max EV is, is a very useful stat, but once somebody's been up for a, yeah, a while, I agree with you. it means a little bit less. I, I do less. you know, like resorting to the, the average on the, and separating that out from the overall. And I'm trying to find Vados because I want to say, I think he's averaging uh, 99 miles oh, an hour, which is, wow. which is elite. Yeah. And uh, let's see if I can get, find that. It's in the... Where are you, Joey Votto? 99.1. I shortchanged him a Yeah, tick. that's great. I mean, uh, uh, I yeah. haven't changed it off the qualified. You probably had to change it off the qualified to get him. I absolutely Would you say 99? 99.1 miles an oh, hour. Oh, my God. That's higher than Shoritani and just behind yes. Soto, Gallo, and Judge in the top three if he qualified. Exactly. I mean, it's probably a little early to say that that's where he should be because, you know, they've, they have uh, 100, 200 balls in play. How many does he have? 35 yeah. so, it's, so but yeah, but i do think very, it speaks to his health you know i mean it's sure that's a good sign 51 percent hard hit that's a good sign so um i i do wonder where the the true talent batting average is right now at you know 39 years old um but i picked him up in tgfbi i think or somewhere uh and a 15 teamer and i'm very happy to do so and i think in a 12 teamer if power is what you want uh i think he's an interesting pickup I agree. I agree. I was surprised by the roster rate. I get it in a way because I was definitely slow to to catch on thinking, okay, 2022 wasn't good. He you know, was 38 then, 39 now. But yeah, I think he, he's been doing enough for long enough that it's time to, to look at him in the 12-team the leagues. And I want to come back to a player that we talked about on Wednesday, a former teammate of Joey Vados, uh, Eugenio Suarez, because we were both like, where's, where's the power? What happened? <laughs> and he's been a really frustrating player for me because I've got him rostered in a couple of places. And you break it down in terms of exit velocity, launch angle, um, strikeout rate, walk rate, all that. He's the same guy he's been since like 2018, if not further back. And yet the the power numbers, the, the um, run production numbers are down. Well, I, I had been sleepy on the fact that Suarez has actually been hitting really well the last few weeks. Hmm. So, so the turnaround uh, is already that that, starting to happen. He's 94-6 on so. Flyers and Liners. That's top. It's 80th right there with Shade Langoliers, Lane Thomas, Lourdes Goriel Jr., Corbin Carroll. Like, it's not terrible. That's not. And it's a it's a career high for him. Wow. All right. I, I, none of those guys are 35 homer hitters like he used to be, though. Yeah, I just think, you know, it's the same. It's practically the identical profile he's had for years. And in all those years, he's been on a 30 homer plus pace. So, and I get it, you know, Seattle, uh, those home numbers are probably going to be depressed, but this is his second year there. Uh Um, And he hit 31 there last year. Yeah. Joey Votto or Eugenio Suarez? You had to ask. (laughs) Um, I'm the one who brought them both up. So I would go Votto. Yeah. I would go Votto. I do trust a little I, bit I also more. just like that I, I like having the, the home park. Like when yes. if you have like a starting pitcher and you're like, oh, I could start him away from home. Like he's a Yankee, he's like a borderline Yankee pitcher, but I'll start him away from home. It'd be great. Uh then you're starting a pitcher away from home, and just generally players play better at home. So if you're like, oh, I'll have Suarez and I'll just play him away from home, well, he'll be away from home. Which is generally not as good as away from home. With Joey Votto, at least you can be like, well, I'll just start him at home and then start from there, right? You know, and that that feels like a better, you know, proposition there. Yeah, yeah. No, that that makes sense. That makes sense. And, you know, it's funny because I I struggled a little bit with that comparison, but it's a comparison I actually had to make (laughs) in the column. So I shouldn't have have had to think about it that much. I I put uh, in 12 teamers, 2 to 3% on Votto, 1 to 2% on Suarez. So. Yeah. yeah, at least I'm consistent. Uh, one other player, this is definitely more of a deep league uh, consideration, but I also, just like I was sleeping on a Eugenio Suarez uh, waking up, David Peralta's been hot for like six or seven weeks now. Yeah. And he's in that platoon, but he pretty much starts every single game against righties. Uh, I wouldn't suggest June. picking him up in 12-teamers anyway, but in the deeper leagues where 
your options aren't always necessarily hitters that are going to start every game. That's that's pretty intriguing. He's out there in my TGFBI. Yeah. Yeah, I can see why he's out there in weekly because you're just capped on how much you're going to play him. They don't play him against lefties, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's what is he, he's got. This is amazing. He's got 13, 14 plate appearances against lefties all year. Yeah, I mean they That's they like incredible. pull him unless it's like a blowout. They like pull him out of games as it's a lefty, and they and they don't start him at the lefty starting. So uh, that just caps him. But in daily leagues, uh, you're right. A 961 OPS in June and a 1098 in July. Um, you know, I think it seems mostly like he's uh, figured out his slugging stroke. Um, and uh, let's see if his his uh, fly ball rate has been up in July. It has. Um, so just, you know, hitting fewer grounders, hitting for uh, hitting the ball harder, his hard hit rate in July is the best it's been. Uh, and it's grown. His hard hit rate has gone from 30 to 35 to 37 to 44 in every month for David Peralta. So I, I think he's a totally credible guy. Um, I had a weekly lineup decision today in my 20 teamer, uh, we're in devil's rejects where we're up to, uh, third or fourth. And, um, we needed a utility guy for the short term. We picked J.J. Bladé. Um, it's a keeper dynasty. So I just felt like if one of these guys is going to play their way into a keeper situation, Bladé is a little bit closer to likely. And then Bladé is playing against lefties and righties. And that may change a little bit uh, once they're fully healthy in the outfield. But with Reese hurt, we just felt like we'd get more playing time with Bladé. And this weekend, Peralta gets... Verlander, Scherzer, and Senga. Um, but if we're talking about waiver for the week after, um, you know, I think we may even make that show and change again on on Sunday, where we drop the day and pick up Peralta because uh, he's definitely useful. Yeah, uh, let's see. Looking at the schedule next week, there's Cole Irvin, so that's a game he's certainly not starting, and then uh, Haney and Perez, so actually probably not. Oh. <laughs> So maybe not the week unless you want to stash him for yeah. Uh, unless it's like put a dollar weeks. on him and put him on your bench and then have him for the week after. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, you know, and stuff that you need to think about this time of year. A lot of us and are sometimes it down makes sense our- to get the guy even you know a week or two ahead of time uh, for a dollar than you know be sitting there. Yeah, because there's all these people who are doing the, he got the Rasball, you know, streaminator and they're like, oh, they've got this week's, you know, projections and they're all sitting there trying to do the same. Uh, and they're like, oh, David Prouds on the wire. I'm going to, I'm going to put like 13 bucks on him because, you know, he's like the 40th, 45th best bat from July 21st to July 28th. Well, what if you got him for a buck the week before? Yeah, there you go. Sometimes you just have to like uh, look for good players and sometimes just put them on your bench for the future as opposed to, you know, just scrambling all the time for this this week alone. Yeah. And that's kind of what like this column wound up being because there weren't I didn't find a ton of great streaming options for hitters or pitchers. So it was just like, well, here's somebody who's been doing really well for an extended period, uh, you know, maybe more for the, the long term than than for the coming week. And plus it's, you know, weird too, because some people have three game weeks. Some people, I've got a league where they've split this week and next week into two, five Yeah, games, this, this five is a really weeks. strange time. I think I... So it's it's strange that way yeah, too. The, so. the, the, the three, three game week is always a rough one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, pivot over to those pitchers. Uh, I'm keeping the alliteration here going with starter stuff. And I'm going to clumsily segue, uh, you know, into your column on park factors. Yeah, because they're they're not uh, home by... at all. Uh, actually, I do. Right. There is a segue here. There is a segue <laughs> here because we're talking about streamers. We're talking about, uh, you know, starters and, uh, you know, I w- the piece is about Petco. And so uh, they've, they've changed the ivy uh, behind uh, the batter's eye or on the batter's eye. And certain release points um are might be favored this in petco this year uh you know slightly lower than usual release points are are maybe coming from a part of the ivy that people can't see so that is i think relevant uh specifically uh, later in the season um when the rangers come to town because haney and dunning uh both throw from that spot in the ivy 
And so uh, if you're looking, you want to stash that away in your brain for later, uh, you know, when Haney and Dunning are in, in town there, um, you know, I think they'll, they'll have some benefits. And in my piece, there's a link to the release point in question. So if you're looking at uh, streamers in Petco, you can just go to that link, look, at, look through, you know, the release points and see if they're on that list real quick. Um, but, uh, there, you know, secondary to that Petco thing, Toronto changed the walls mm-hmm. and they've become more pitching friendly in this year. And, uh, I looked at the matchups this weekend and it's irrelevant for a lot of them because a lot of starters, you know, that you would just start all the time anyway, Barrios and then some guys that I'm not sure that I would say like, Oh, start Tommy Henry in Toronto because it's now more pitching friendly. I'm not willing to go that far, but I will be watching the Ryan Nelson start in Toronto pretty closely because that is a type of pitcher that let's say he was in Toronto on a Monday and somewhere else on a, on a Sunday or something on a Saturday, I would be like, so in the past I would, I would tighten up. My sphincter would tighten. I would be like, Ooh, I am not pitching Ryan Nelson in Toronto. No way, you know? And so I'm really I'm really fascinated to see how he does because if it is slightly more pitching friendly, Ryan Nelson also has these really weird splits where he's been better away from Arizona. I don't believe that those are predictive in any way, but you've mm-hmm. got a couple like weird things coming together. And this Ryan, this Ryan Nelson start in Toronto is just fascinating to me. It's away from home against what should be a great offense that hasn't played well at home, that has a, a new home park, that has new home park factors, has actually changed the walls. It's it's such a confluence of events. I I love it. I love it. I have, maybe he'll just come out and just do a bland ass, you know, four or five innings, three runs, and we won't know what happened. But you know, I kind of think it's going to be on off. It's either going to be great or horrid. <laughs> That'll be, be yeah fun to watch. And that's uh, that's Friday night. And then uh, this is believe it or not, you know, DVR and I DVR and I have done the Ryan Nelson versus Tommy Henry breakdown. <laughs> yeah, I believe in it. recent weeks on this show. <laughs> And I'm Team Tom Henry. Oh no, Tommy Henry, really? Yeah, and not just because he went to Michigan. Oh, um, yes, but because he went to Michigan. <laughs> That's hilarious. But uh, no, because it, it, no, it, it definitely relates to this uh, this analysis because the one skill, if, if you know, and I do think it's a skill that he's shown so far is he's really uh, mitigated the the exit velocity on. Yeah, my favorite stat: flies and liners. Uh-huh. And I think that there, there might be enough working in his favor against a, a, a pretty good lineup. I would actually, I'm not saying I would start him, but I'd be more likely to start him than Ryan Nelson, where I feel like that's just, like you say, total coin toss, what might happen there. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, you know, Tommy Henry, uh, maybe it's my stuff less bias. He hasn't been showing that. Uh, one thing that Tommy Henry does do, I think, better than, um, than uh, Nelson is mix it up. He's got uh, three pitches he throws twenty percent of the time, and another he pitches another pitch he throws twelve percent of the time. And uh, Ryan Nelson, if I remember correctly, is a guy who's uh, thrown a ton of fastballs. I know he's trying to come off of that, but yeah, two pitches he throws twenty percent of the time, and then a changeup he throws ten percent of the time. So I, I think that's been to his detriment. I think that uh, Nelson needs to mix it up more. He doesn't trust the secondary pitches. Henry at least comes out there and trusts the secondary pitches and keeps it really mix it up. I just I got a text from um, a hitting coach, uh, major league hitting coach, just uh, a second ago about how uh, pitchers need to go from like starting pitchers need to be the West Coast offense and the relievers need to be the spread. You need to be like there needs to be a difference between starting pitchers and relievers because if the starting pitchers are just going to go hard and throw fastballs and sliders for five innings and then the relievers come in and they're just going to throw fastballs and sliders for the next four innings, then you're going to see the same thing the whole game. And you know I think that's to the detriment of many pitchers. Now if you're if you're Spencer Strider and Hunter Green, you can figure it out. You know you can be so elite that it works. But for everybody else, you know for Ryan Nelson. I'm sorry. Yes, your fastball has good stuff plus. Your slider has good stuff plus. You need to throw the other two pitches. You just need to you need to do it. You need to trust them. That's the only way you're going to it's going to work for you, I'm pretty sure. And so he could actually look across at Tommy Henry, who I think has worse stuff. And that's why I'm not into him, but if you you could look across at Tommy Henry and be like, "Man, that guy just mixes it up. Maybe I should just mix it up." Yeah. 
Well, I don't know if that's uh, the the secret sauce for for him in terms of what he's done well, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not excited about either starter uh, in Toronto. But you've made me a little more interested, at least with the the, the park factor analysis. Well, at least now you can like I want to go watch, hopefully yeah. with no skin in the game, and see see learn from it. Right. You know, this be this is interesting to have like you know two borderline starters going into Toronto out of the break and see how it goes because also. Uh, Toronto has played uh, like 10 fewer games at home uh, than on the road. So they're going to have a very road, a home friendly uh, schedule this this second half. And so if you believe that has become more pitcher friendly, there is going to be more opportunities for streaming where one of them is in Toronto. Great stuff. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash rates23. That's linkedin.com slash rates23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash rates23 and get started. Well, I, I want to go back to uh, the Padres and Seth Lugo, who doesn't relate to your analysis at all because he's got a very normal release point. Uh, but your article did get me to take a closer look at him, and I'm glad I did because he's on a very nice run. Last four uh, games that Lugo has started, 21 strikeouts and two walks over 22 uh, innings. He should be owned higher and than you, You've got a 5, 59% ownership rate on Lugo? Yeah, on CBS. So... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting him here in the streamer category because he's got uh, the Tigers this coming week. We can see how he does in Philly on Sunday, which is obviously a tougher matchup, tougher venue. But he's got the Ideal Tigers. Ideal might next be that week. he doesn't do well in that one, and he's cheaper for you, and you and you you pick him up after that because at Detroit he's go. lovely. It, it it doesn't get too much better, maybe <laughs> Oakland, but. Uh, Rockies uh, away from Coors, but doesn't get much better than than uh, at Detroit. So um, yeah, I'm saying you know streaming possibilities, but I think there's there's more there uh, for Lugo than than just that. But uh, let's talk about a few pitchers who are probably only available in ten and twelve teamers, and maybe even necessarily uh, all the the twelve teamers. But Brian Wu, uh, I'm actually kind of surprised he's as available as he is. I think his CBS roster rate is around seventy percent, so it means he's could be there in your 12-teamer. couple of home starts. Uh, we've already talked about how we like that in Seattle. And he's got the the Twins and the the Blue Jays. Oh, so I guess the Blue Jays are... Yeah, the, the Blue Jays then go on a road trip. Uh, so uh, we've got Wu with that that two-step. Emmett Sheehan at Baltimore at Texas. So couple of shallower league two-start streaming options. Anything to dislike here? Uh, no, I mean, uh, I think it's, it's actually just, it's a finer needle where you're like, Wu or Sheehan, like which one, if, if, because some people might be looking at that as a, as a choice. And, um, I think I would take uh, Wu, you know, uh, home, uh, for both of his starts, Toronto, tough offense, Sheehan at Baltimore is not what it used to be, but Texas is, you know, those are two pretty good offenses. Um, Wu, Wu is secretly throwing two sliders at least. And that's not showing up in a lot of places because I was worried that he was just throwing basically a four seam sinker and sweeper. And I was worried that what do you, what does he do against lefties, you know, with that sweeper? But I've been looking at his uh, pitch charts and he's throwing at least two sliders. And so I think it's basically um, where he's got one type of slider against lefties and one type of slider against righties. Uh, he's kind of a two-pitch pitcher against lefties and a two-pitch pitcher against righties, but it's better than Graham Ashcraft, who's like a one-pitch pitcher against lefties and one-pitch pitcher against righties. So, <laughs> uh, I, I like Wu for lots of strikeouts, not a lot of innings, um, and so I'll take Wu over Sheehan. That's Savali at Pittsburgh. I think Savali's a pickup. So, 
you know, if he's out there, yeah, I guess I would take that woo to start over Savali in a streaming situation. But if he's just out there on your roster, on your waiver wire, like, I think he's like a, a top 35, 40 pitcher. Like, every league, Savali should just be owned, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, under, under rostered for sure. Uh, all right, let's get to some more widely available streaming options. And I'm actually going to start with a, a streaming option that's not really a streaming option. Uh, looking at the Red Sox, because they still basically just have a three-man rotation. Uh, last thing I read about Nick Pavetta was that they were not going to have him start. I don't know if that's just a mere technicality and if they plan on using him after an opener. I don't know what the plan is with uh, Pavetta or Chris Murphy for that matter. But uh, assuming that they go, you know, relief game route with um, what would be the two start weeks when the four and fives line up. Uh, that would be at Oakland and then at home against the Mets. So any interest in Pavetta or Murphy with the possibility that they get two long relief stints, if not actual starts? Yeah, uh, Pavetta has been pitching better in this role oh, love that. Um, and they're they're even talking about like you know this has been so great and why would we take him out of this role like you know he's you know this is this is what he's born to do i don't know if it's um what it is it's also weird that like the stuff plus models always like pavetta i've even had team analysts be like why isn't pavetta better you know i've had that question asked of me um and so uh of those two i'm taking pavetta um, I also like those matchups for Boston. So I think that's a sneaky good pickup. Also, um, what's tough in this short week in some places is like, uh, what do I do in a short week for these three games? Um, if my starter is not starting, you know, uh, you could put in like a setup guy and hope that he just gets the close, the, the, the gets a, a save randomly. Or you could try to put in one of these bulk guys and hope that he, he gets you a win. He gets into a game. I mean, it's better than putting a guy in your weekly lineup that you know will not pitch. Yeah. You're right. So it's like, you know, I tried to get some relievers and, uh, you know, picked up some relievers on, on, on fringe stuff where I could just, I'm going to put this reliever in for a week and next week he's going to drop him for a starter. But it's better that I get one inning or two innings with a K or whatever, you know, than, than just throw a <laughs> starter that's not going to start. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, maybe get a counting stat, uh, a good one while you're, uh, while you're at it. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to some actual uh, starters. Uh, Anthony Desclafani. Uh, this is another one I've not seen an update on. Uh, he made a rehab start in the Arizona Complex League on Thursday, so I don't know if things went well enough there that he's going to come back. But I, presuming that he I does. Do, I'm not throwing him at Cincinnati out of Washington anyway. So. <laughs> all right, so there we go. Make, make that a whole bunch easier. There's a new, no, 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 no. All right, well, I think there's going to be a lot of that. Oh, you know, yeah. Uh, this might be. This might be a quick section here, uh, which is why I've <laughs> I, I, uh, I, called it anyone to stream with a question Tyon, mark. Tyon, though, uh, you know, Tyon is something I've been watching, and I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he's as terrible as his results have been, man. Really, I really don't. I don't know what it is. I, I take a little bit of hope from that start against the Yankees, um, and versus Washington, versus St. Louis at home. You know, it's two starts. You know, he went into Yankee Stadium and pitched really well. He's trying to figure out how to, you know, his pitch mix is changing. He's He used to be all cutter happy against lefties, and now he's finally throwing the force team again. So, I don't know. I, uh, I Of these group of, of pitchers that, that mostly make my spine shiver, uh, I think Jameson Tyon <laughs> is my, my pick to click. All right. Do you see anything encouraging with Drew Smiley? Same matchups. Um, I mean, I think he's generally underrated. I guess I don't hate him either. Uh, you know, the, the thing for him is just, when does he give up the homers? You know, if you could know anything about even where the wind was blowing in his first start in, in Wrigley, then, uh, I'd be more likely to pick him up. All right. That's good. So the Wrigley with like. You know, warm weather Wrigley with the wind blowing out, that makes me a little bit more nervous about Drew Smiley. That's a guy who gives up homers. Yeah, 
absolutely. Um, all right. Well, we've talked about Day Dunning. We talked about him Wednesday. We talked about him already here. Uh, I don't think there's anything at home against the Rays or Dodgers that uh, is advantageous in terms of his uh, his And I don't. Point. I mean, against um, those two offenses. Mm, yeah. Nope. Rather not. Hard I might. I might rather take the next guy. All right, yeah, let's talk about Matt Manning. First of all, he's got the good matchup, you know, coming off the uh, partial no-hitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then good matchup at Kansas City, also good venue. And then uh, at home, another good venue, uh, but against the Padres. Yeah, the Padres I know, are you know, scuffling I don't, I don't like a little this, bit. I, just, I don't see anything, you know, the, the near no-hitter. Um, Aside. Notwithstanding. I just don't see what's in this profile that would get me feeling confident even with those. Matches. Yeah. I mean, it's a decent breaking ball, but he's not turning it into a lot of whiffs and uh, not a lot of strikeouts. So I, yeah, I can't, he's not, he's not a rock solid pick to click or anything, but um, I might put him, you know, if we're ranking all these ones that I've said, you know, uh, Tyon's uh, in the first is, is comfortably number one for me. Uh, Manning, Smiley and Pavetta, are interesting to me uh, in differing degrees. Um, but uh, uh, Tylen's the only one that I would, I kind of reach to kind of pick up, I think, add an extra dollar or whatever, you know? Okay. Well, we'll see if uh, anybody reaches that level in the rest of the list. Carlos Carrasco at home against the White Sox on the road. That second uh, start just, Boston. I, that second start terrifies me. Yeah. First start's good. If you can split them, maybe there's something there. Uh, Brian Hoeing, I'm assuming, I think the Marlins have a little bit of, um, as far as I've seen. Yeah, because uh, there's Cueto up uncertainty too. at the back of the, the rotation. But I think we're going to see Hoeing with the double dip at St. Louis. Yeah, but I think he's going to be uh, like, it's going to be like him and Cueto or something. Yeah, oh, like piggyback. Well, I mean, because what's the rotation right now? Lizardo, uh, Garrett, Sandy. Oh, so Edward is hurt. Right. Is Trevor Rogers hurt still? And he's still hurt too. So. Oh, so Cueto and Hoeing are in the in the rotation. So Hoeing for sure. Um, last I read, Cueto w- was not at least he was called uh, up necessarily but, uh, going into the rotation. Yeah, but I'm not sure who they can always also bring Perez back up in soon. So I think it's uh, uh, they could. I, I don't love could. Hoeing. No, I don't. I don't see anything there. At St. Louis is scary. Um, so not versus enough Colorado is, the Rockies. That's pretty exciting. I mean, I. I'd world's, like that. world's greatest matchup. I, I'll throw Hoeing into the back end um, around Manning, I guess. I think behind Manning, but you know, Manning might go to uh, might go to someone who's just uh, really excited about that no hitter. Probably, and then make him look good against uh, KC, and then you know maybe get blasted by San Diego. All right, few more. Um... Dakota Hudson, I'm definitely not excited about, but the matchups are not bad uh, versus Miami and then uh, at the Cubs. That's like, but, but see, the funny thing about Hudson is like, that's just you want K's, but you could come out of that week with like four K's. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, over under, over under on six K's. Yeah. So uh, that's scary. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll finish up here with three. Starters, I don't hate, and I actually think you might. <laughs> but Ryan Yarbrough uh, at home against Detroit, uh, gotta like that matchup. But then at the Yankees, <laughs> uh, I don't know what to make of the Yankees, but I still fear them at yeah. Yankee Stadium. Although you know he's a lefty, and one of the things that's that's most iconic about Yankee Stadium is the right field porch, right? Right. So maybe suppressing uh, lefties just enough by being a lefty. I think you could. I'll throw him ahead of Hoing. I would easily. Yeah. Easily. His last start uh, was at Cleveland. In fact, that was his first start uh, in over two months. And that was one run over six innings, uh, six hits, one walk, five Ks. And the guy just consistently... uh, has those, but he is that again, very low uh, average exit velocity and flies in liners. Well, so he also because he, can he that throws damage. 80 poo. So, you know, people yeah, aren't going to throw it as hit it as hard. I, I, pre- I do consistently prefer him even at 89, 90 more than 86.8. 
<laughs> Sorry, yeah. dude. Uh, I will have him against Hoing, but not ahead of uh, Dunning or Manning. Oh, no, not ahead of Dunning's not even on our list. Uh, not ahead of Manning uh, and not ahead of Smiley. All right. Couple more that I, I kind of like here. Uh, Christopher Sanchez, been been very good. Uh, four starts before the break for the Phillies, good results. Uh, at home against the Brewers, bad park, obviously, but um, I think Brewers now are a pretty favorable matchup. Where do you where do you side on starting Sanchez with one start? In my article was the weirdest thing that Philadelphia is also paying more pitcher friendly, but there are no park changes to support it. And so I think it has more to do mm-hmm. with the fact that they have five, there's four hitters in the top 50 uh, of reduction in WRC plus, you know, like four struggling hitters in their lineup every day, just struggling, you know, uh, that can actually change a one year park factor. So uh, Christopher Sanchez uh Versus Milwaukee in Philadelphia, there's some interesting things going on there. Yes, Milwaukee's not a good offense. Rowdy had been struggling; is not even in it anymore. Um, you know, they they're struggling to find who's going to produce in a park that's been playing nicer. Like I could talk myself into it, but I'd much rather it came with a second start, so I could be like, "And he also is in Detroit." <laughs> uh, yeah. Be hard to argue with that. Right, for yeah, sure. I'll be like, well, uh, I'm going to take a, a chance on this first Milwaukee, but he has this other second start that's better. So, all right. Well, uh, got another. Yeah, if you want a one starter, I like this guy better. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, and with one more pitcher here, uh, Tyler Anderson. So I think some, you know, some similarities with with Yarbrough, but uh, versus Pittsburgh. I, I think he could. Yeah, do. I, I'd I rather have. That I'd rather have Tyler Anderson versus Pittsburgh than Christopher Sanchez versus Milwaukee. All right, I think I would too, actually. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, talk about at least one other starter here because I know you wanted to talk about Lance Lynn. I don't know if there's others you want to lump in the category of uh, you know some pitchers who have really struggled in the first you know, half. Where there's you can also sometimes there. ignore my emails from like midnight, you know, side of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> i know like i mean yeah lance lynn i i one thing that uh sticks out for me is that the strikeouts are there and uh you know stuff plus whatever model this or that aside you know a 28 percent strikeout rate against an eight percent walk rate this is a guy i'd pick up i think just from just from that yeah, actually, let me see what this because I have a feeling he's still pretty widely rostered. But I think he's one of the few guys that ahead that were sort of top forty-ish ahead of the season that are not injured that are out on wires. Okay, uh, on CBS, and again, you know, it's not perfect symmetry in terms of what that mm-hmm. means on other platforms, but eighty-five percent. Mm. So he will largely what that says on to me him. is the, he's out there intentionally. But I think also sure. uh, if you're talking trade deadline, like it's really hard to get. Uh, to buy low on pitchers and um, you know, or to acquire starting pitching. And so if you're sitting out here trying to pry, you know, uh, some stud pitcher off of somebody and it's not working, like maybe just spend less and get Lance Lynn. All right. Yeah. Makes sense to me. All right. Let's uh, finish where we always finish, you know, at the closer corner. Uh couple of, of uh, situations that you yeah, obviously feel free to, to add uh, where, where you want. Well, actually, we should start with Jordan Romano because I've not been able to still find any updates on him and his uh, his cranky back, his cranky lower back. Um, I got to think we'll know more by Sunday. But uh, it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just I, I, I guess one of the questions is if it isn't him, who is it? Um, and with Swanson pitching the eighth, I think that trumps any sort of stuff plus that's coming out of Nate Pearson. That just shows the trust in the team. So I think it's Swanson if he has to hit the IL. With the back, we're just going to have to wait for more news. And that would dictate, too, how aggressively you go because if it at least like we have three days thing. to, you know, the, 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 yeah. the manager has to do three manager meetings. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, the, the other one that you have listed here, uh, you know, I think it's about time to start thinking ahead, uh, on the trade deadline. Uh, we're only going to have like, you know, two, uh, weekend fab sessions before the trade deadline and you don't want to be spending 
you know, a hundred bucks on a closer post deadline. You know, you'd rather spend ten bucks on them this week in a, in 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 front of that. So you know, does Jordan Hicks go to a team? Does he close on the new team? Um, and what does that mean? And I think I think he most likely he does not close on the new team because the only two teams that I could see him closing on would be the Rangers, like that would trade for him also. You know. Uh, yeah, right, the right. Rangers and who? Ah, there was one more team. I can't think of another team, but the Rangers would totally would make he, sense. Would he so close for the Braves? I would. Would I he close for the so. Marlins? Yes, I do. Th- well, yeah. I mean, Puck's been good, but I think he could close for the Marlins. I, I think he. Maybe I righty, think lefty, you at least have a like a, a yeah, sharing, sharing situation there. I don't think he'd close for the Phillies. Oh, he'd close for the D-backs. Oh, so. For sure. And, and, and those might be the teams most likely to trade for him. So it's an interesting thing in terms of probabilities. It's like, okay, the probability once traded is that he doesn't close, except that the probability of being traded to these different places is highest to the places where he would close. Right. Totally makes sense. Uh, Greatest need in those for those teams. So um, the, the problem is that behind him, I love looking, okay, he's likely to be traded. Let's look behind him. Well, behind him, it's probably just Ryan Helsley getting his job back. Uh, exactly. Maybe some, maybe a week of Gallegos uh, till he gets healthy. Would the Pirates trade Bednar? I tend to think not because I tend to think that they're trying to build towards a 500 team and 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 kind of start start the winning cycle. Um, mm-hmm. If they did trade Bednar, do you have a favorite there? Nobody, uh, no, nobody really jumps out. I think that might be one of those where it's like there's there's not a, a, a clear winner. And so, you know, they probably would go with multiple options and none of whom I like that much. Maybe Holderman. Holderman's pretty good. Um, yeah. I mean, with a name like Holderman, he really should remain. In the holding spot. <laughs> uh, are there any other uh, closers you think are likely to be traded? I guess like would... The Mets could trade uh, David Robertson. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I could see that. Um, and then I've seen some things about Mark Leiter Jr., which maybe means a clearer path for Ebert uh, Alzlai. I think Alzlai is already the closer, honestly. I yeah. mean, that's how I've been reading what's going on there. He's been he's gotten most of the save chances. It, yeah, I'm throwing so. in holds on my stuff leaderboard here, real quick. So, uh, in New York. Uh, holds and let me do last 14 or so so I can get a sense of what's happening last 14 okay so in New York relievers by stuff plus David Robinson number one Drew Smith number two with one hold Dominic Leone ah he has one hold Brooks Rayleigh is uh, fourth on the team in stuff plus and has three holds and then there's obviously Adam Ottavino down there with two holds. Brooks Raley is the lefty, um, but he has more holds. Maybe that's just because he's pitching against lefties. I think there's at least a 3 to 5% chance that Brooks Raley is closer post-deadline. That's not a very that's yeah, not I a would big number, Adovino, but it's not zero. <laughs> and that's assuming Ottavino himself wouldn't get traded. Right. Yeah, because he could get traded too. Um Royals gonna trade Scott Barlow. I I'm remembering, and I'm afraid maybe I'm misremember remembering reading something that they were not planning on trading. Mm. Liam Hendricks. Yeah, I would think he'll probably get traded. Uh, the uh, the problem with that is that um, Liam Hendricks hasn't been quite showing the same stuff pre, which is. Uh, icky to talk about yes uh, and is also but, uh, hurt yeah. so he may just not get traded because he's hurt um, Gregory Santos there has kind of surpassed Reynaldo Lopez as the holds guy and has great stuff and um, you know I think right now it's sort of Graveman closing Santos and Lopez holding Um but I uh, have I had talked to a team that was interested in acquiring Ronaldo Lopez, uh, mm-hmm. so he may be gone himself. So Santos is a name, a stash name. 
Yeah, I think that's a difficult thing, right? Because you you project the teams that would trade their closer, but oftentimes they do trade their top two or three. I mean, why not? I mean, so it, it, I think right now in White Sox, we're approaching why not trade anybody. I'm waving to my son. My my mom my my wife has them doing manual labor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I I don't know if you're you're going to join them, uh, but. Uh, no, uh, they do the manual labor, the and then I come when it's time to go poolside. Oh, well, that's sweet. Well, we could keep this podcast going until they're done, but <laughs> I think we're actually done here, you know, so... Uh, <laughs> Happy weekend. Uh, yeah, so uh, thank everybody for listening. And just a, a quick reminder before we do sign off here that you can subscribe to The Athletic for $2 a month for the first year. Uh, that $2 gets you in the door for everything. Uh, Eno's columns, uh, everything fantasy going on, my uh, weekly waiver wire columns, and uh, the the whole the whole deal. So uh, go to theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. And uh, we will be back on Monday. And as I said, uh, I believe it's Tuesday. We'll have Derek Van Riper back. So until then, everybody, have a great week. Thanks for listening.